0: Hey, York Alliance. Welcome back to the York Alliance Daily for Tuesday, October 10th. Hope you're doing well as we journey together toward Jesus and uh, hope you are enjoying the fall as I am as we uh, uh, start to move into what feels like a, uh, a, a new season in lots and lots of different ways. And so, uh, uh, hope you're doing well as you're uh, moving as a part of that journey. It was great to be with many of you on uh, Sunday. I know it was a holiday weekend and so, uh, some were out of town and all of that. But it was great to be together, to be able to worship together. So thankful for the team leading us into the presence of Jesus and uh, and good to engage his word together in uh, some difficult ways, maybe some uh, mind bending or expanding kind of ways as we think about the gospel and uh, seek to engage the gospel on Jesus terms, uh, not on our own terms. And so um, That's been a a good journey. Uh, I know there's a lot of stuff that's happening. And so uh, let me first say as part of the uh, podcast and part of our conversation that um, as you are processing things, if you have uh, questions about the Spring Grove plant or you have questions about uh, Shrewsbury or Hanover, if you have questions about what's going to be happening here, I'd love to hear those. Feel free to reach out. Email is typically the best for that. But I'll get back to you right away. It's only because I'm backlogged about four dozen emails. But I am trying to work my way through them. And so uh, I will I will get back to you. It may just take a little bit for me to do that. Um, but – I will definitely get back to you uh, as as we journey together but I'd love to hear kind of where you're at as you're processing those things and so uh, please feel free to uh, to reach out we've been talking about the gospel uh, we spent the last week talking about the true gospel and this week we talked about um, what I'm calling the false gospels which sounds uh, maybe a little bit aggressive uh, a little a little challenging as we try to wrestle through like what what does it mean to um, uh, to to hear and speak and engage a gospel that is less than Jesus' gospel. And hopefully you, you heard me say again and again, it's not that the things that are in what I'm calling the false gospels, the cheap gospel, the hyper-reformed gospel, the prosperity gospel, it's not that those things aren't true to to some degree. And in many cases, to a large degree, they are true. They're just not complete. Um, they're missing aspects of the gospel, especially the kingdom uh, that life in the kingdom idea is uh, absent from many of the gospels. And so I, I, I want to uh, look today at the way that Jesus defined the conversation. So when this young man in Matthew chapter 19 comes to Jesus, he asks the question, what good deed or what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life or to enter into eternal life? And the term eternal life is tricky because we want to have an understanding. In order to understand Jesus' response, we need to understand what the man was asking. Uh, He he would have had some kind, as a good Jewish guy, he would have had some kind of understanding of uh, life in heaven or uh, the resurrected life. Um, He he would have understood that there is such a thing as a resurrection, most likely, depending on his uh, sect of Judaism. And he could have been asking about that. But likely, what was much uh, a a much greater understanding was the idea of being one with God now in a way that would lead towards union with Christ down the line, Uh, meaning the presence presence with God. In fact, I, I think maybe the best way to understand the way that Jesus engaged the conversation is to take literally the only definition of eternal life that we have. Jesus gave us the definition. So, if you go to John chapter 17, which you're welcome to uh, go there on your own as well, uh, in verse 3, Jesus actually gives a definition. He says this And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, it's fascinating. This is Jesus' prayer. And so he's uh, he's speaking of himself in the third person, which I, is kind of an odd thing. But I guess if you're Jesus, you're allowed to do that. But it, it, he's making the definition. He's giving us a definition of eternal life. And so it's not just any definition of eternal life. If Jesus is the one giving us the definition, we should probably pay pretty close attention to it, right? Like if, if he's the one saying this is eternal life, we we should listen. And what he says is this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent now that idea of know is a very it 's a deep level of knowing, so it's not um, we were just in uh, Southern California last week it 's not like i I know southern california like yeah i was I was there i've spent a little bit of time there but Los Angeles is a massive city, and I saw a tiny little percentage of it. I saw a lot of traffic. That's what I saw, a lot of traffic. I I don't know uh, Los Angeles. I don't know Southern California. I don't really even know York at that level. We've only been here for 26, 27 years. Um, There's lots to this city and this community that I I don't yet know. But I would say that I know my wife, and I know – my kids, maybe not perfectly, but definitely intimately, like very, very closely. That's the kind of knowing that that Jesus is talking about. This is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God. So, eternal life is about a deep knowledge of God, uh, of God the Father, uh, w- of Jesus Christ Himself, and a walking with, an engagement in a kind of an experiential journey. And so when we talk about eternal life, again, understanding that in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is uh, using the terms eternal life, kingdom of God, and salvation as synonyms. So he's saying eternal life is the same thing as life in the kingdom, and life in the kingdom is the same thing as salvation. So what are we being saved from? Well, it's not just our... our sin that keeps us from God. That's certainly true, but that's not the extent of it because um, uh, sin, you you, you may know the original derivation of the word sin is literally missing the mark. It was an archery term. And so it was uh, the idea of sin is like I was aiming for the bullseye, but I, I, you know, I I hit the yellow ring or I missed the target altogether or whatever. Uh, So sin is a missing of the mark. The question is, what's the mark? Like, not sinning, well, I, 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 that's a that's a, a circular definition, right? Like, uh, if if the mark is if missing the mark is sin, then hitting the mark can't just be not sin. There has to be something else, and I, I, I think the mark that we're called into, if I take Jesus' definition, is knowing the one true God, or you you might say union with Christ, experiencing full life coming flowing through the tr- the trinitarian god into my life and into the life of the world around me. That concept of uh, of union with Christ as the mark that I'm missing. I do miss the mark because of sin certainly, but I miss the mark for lots of other reasons too, not just uh, what we would call explicitly sinful behavior. But things like uh, things like distraction, things like a lack of intentionality, uh, things like choosing not to follow Jesus when I could be following Jesus, um, whether that's in the day to day or whether that's in the overarching uh, kind of pathway of my life, not following Jesus is missing the mark. And so when Jesus is saying, uh, giving a response to how must I, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life. There, there's an invitation into a way of life that Jesus is seeing as knowledge a deep intimate knowledge of God the Father of a deep intimate knowledge of Jesus who is the image of God the perfect image of God and so as we think about eternal life as we think about salvation what we're what we're basically saying is that what we're saved from is not just death and hell, although that's certainly part of it, what we're saved from is not just the penalty of sin or even the presence of sin, or again, that is part of it, but what we're saved from is really the inability to be one with Christ or um, living for ourselves. We're saved from futility in our life's journey and we're saved into a, a journey with Jesus uh, to be able to follow him. Uh, we're saved into the potential of union with Christ. And when we start to see the the stakes of salvation and then uh, the good news of the gospel, which is really the explanation of what it means to be saved, when we start to see things on those terms, we start to see that the invitation of the gospel isn't just go to heaven. And it isn't just have your sins forgiven. It is to walk with Jesus, and people who most fully engage the gospel, whether they fully understood the gospel at the initial presentation or not, they're the people who are pursuing Jesus. They're the people who are walking with him. Those are people you probably know. You've probably experienced people who are like that, and um, my prayer for all of us is that we would be people ourselves who are like that, and so as we get the broad view of the gospel, I hope that you also step into life in the gospel. May the grace and peace of Jesus be yours. May you sense his spirit on you and in you and working through you, flowing from you to uh, the world around you in, uh, in his name. Have a great rest of the day. And I am looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. Grace and peace to you.